Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Good to see you all. I uh, uh, am here to continue our series on healthy relationship, taking a whole month of June just to look at different aspects of relationships from a biblical perspective. I just got back. Um, from a week in Tennessee, actually ministered at the Vandalia Congregation last Sunday, drove directly from there to central Tennessee and did a, a school of ministry taught Monday through a Thursday at a school of ministry that's related with the Kaleo Network, same network that I work with in Mexico. And it was really powerful. And many of the principles uh, that we share as a church or teach in the school of ministry, training up uh, the next generation of uh, missionaries and church planters, so it's uh, always fun to do that, but it's a real blessing to be back here and to continue this series as well. All right, healthy relationships. We're going to start with a verse from John 13. Uh, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Clark Commentary uh, writes about this, saying that Jesus said, and a new commandment I give unto you. Clark says, in what sense are we to understand this as a new commandment? Thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself was a precept of the law. And it's the very same that Christ repeats here. How then was it new? Our Lord answers this question. Even as I have loved you. In other words, Jesus modified or extended or amplified the Old Testament precept of you shall love your neighbor, uh, just like he did in the Sermon on the Mount. Every uh, Old Testament law, he actually ex- he, it gives the fullest expression of it and expands the understanding of it when he says, uh, even as I have loved you. Christ more than fulfilled the Mosaic precept. He not only loved his neighbor as himself, but he loved him more than himself, for he laid down his life for uh, men. In this, he calls upon his disciples to imitate him, to be ready on all occasions to lay down their lives for each other. So Jesus was explaining or uh, 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 informing us as to the original intent of the Old Testament precept, what this really means, and then he demonstrated it to the most extreme sense. In another place, John writes, 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. All right, we're talking about relationships, right? God's word is, uh, is talking here about love, and that all of our relationships really need to be able to demonstrate and embody this aspect of God's character, his love. In any area of your life that you're not uh, uh, displaying and experiencing love, guess what? You don't know God in that area. In any relationship, that love isn't the defining or the the primary uh, aspect of that relationship, 
then God's absent from that relationship. Does that make sense? If God is love, and God is in that relationship, whether it's between you and, and your spouse, between you and a coworker or someone on the street, there needs to be some aspect because God in his nature is love. In this, the love of God was manifest toward us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Okay, everybody say propitiation. propitiation. <laughs> That's a good word. <laughs> Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. In other words, we need to love like God loved us. And God loved us first. What does that mean then? We need to love others first. God loved us when we were his enemies. He initiated love in the most extreme way. To what degree did Jesus initiate love? Willing to actually enter into our fallen, corrupt, darkened, sin-stained world. Though he was pure and sinless, he entered into it. He was eternal. He was, he was uh, equal with the Godhead, but he took on our weakness. He took on humanity. He took on death. He took on our sin. Why? Because he loved us. He loved us until we could love him. And we need to love others in the same way. It's challenging, isn't it? We ought to love first. God paid the price. That's what the propitiation means. It means he paid the price. We need to pay the price. And there's a price for love. There's a price to care. There's a price to being there for someone who may have hurt you or may just be harsh or hard to be around. They, they disagree with a lot of things that you hold strongly. Are you willing to love them? Are you willing to love long-term like Jesus loves us? He doesn't give up. How many are glad that Jesus hasn't given up on you? Huh. Thank you, Jesus, for not giving up on me. In the same way, we can't give up on others. We need to find ways to be in healthy relationships with others. How do we do this? How do we love our neighbors, our enemies? Or how do we love one another? Uh, hopefully, we won't have to actually die for one another. All right? <clears throat> uh, not many of us have that opportunity. Um, but Jesus said, loving like him defined what it meant to be a Christian, and it was a primary way that the world would know that we are his followers. So this is something that we need to get down. We need to learn how to have healthy relationships. This is not uh, optional. It's actually absolutely essential that we learn this. And today I'm going to talk about the idea of how communication is vital in our relationships and different aspects of communication that influence uh, the level of health that we have 
in a relationship. You can know about someone without communicating with them. All right, I know a lot about, we may know something about Steve Jobs. He's not around anymore. Elon Musk. Um, I know about historical people like Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, but I've never talked to them. I don't know them. All right. Uh, I watch these YouTube, uh, this couple that live in Japan, and because I like Japan, I came across them. <clears throat> Kathy's here this morning. She can attest that I, <laughs> I watch these. I, I, I'm, I'm like a super fan. <laughs> <laughs> I send them money. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I'm, a, I'm a Patreon, man. I'm a Patreon. Some of you know what that means. Every time they make a video, cha-ching, I give them money. Because I like those videos better than anything else on TV. Seriously, I look forward to them. And they're just two kids. I mean, they're the same age as my kids. Um, and I, I make the mistake sometimes of calling them my friends. <laughs> I'm like, they're not my friends. That's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> you can't know someone or have a relationship uh, if it's just one way, you know, if I'm just watching someone on a, on a screen, uh, because we've never talked, and I don't really know them, only know them to a measure, and they don't know me <laughs> at all, all right? Communication includes verbal as well as nonverbal interaction of every kind. Super important to understand. It's not just the words we say, but how we say it. And boy, have you noticed things have changed over the last 20 years, 30 years. <clears throat> Today we're overwhelmed uh, with communication types. There's email, texting, messenger, Facebook, social media, Instagram, all this stuff. Zoom, how many are tired of Zoom? It's now, you know, so during the pandemic, it became its own uh, word. We Zoom now, we used to Skype, now we Zoom. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so many different ways of communicating. And this actually makes uh, uh, communicating well more difficult. I really do believe this. I mean, it's easier in some ways. And I am very, very, very grateful for the technology that we have, that we can do video uh, calls with people. Ever since I was a little kid, they talked about, uh, you know, phones will be video. And we always imagined that that brick phone that was mounted to the wall would eventually have a little TV on it. And uh, who would have known that we'd carry it around in our pockets and, and be able to have video calls for anybody. And all these different ways to communicate actually makes it more difficult. And we have to figure out how to use all of the ways in a Christ-like way. All right? And so, you know, I wonder, would Jesus use emoji? And if he would, which ones? <laughs> would the Holy Spirit inspire OMG, you know what OMG stands for? Yeah. Oh my God. So in an appropriate way, oh my God. Probably not the way a lot of people use OMG though. Probably not inspired. YOLO, you know what YOLO means? <clears throat> Everyone here, you only live once. Well, actually there's a resurrection, so <laughs> YOLT. 
I'm glad you thought that was funny. I thought it was funny. <laughs> Would Jesus unfriend someone? Ah, and for what reasons? For what reasons? What are the biblical guidelines for who you follow on YouTube or Instagram? You know, how do you even, how do you even translate that, you know? Uh, what level of true intimacy can be achieved via electronic communication? I think the principle here is <clears throat> understanding that electronic communication has its, its limits. And we need to learn how to use it in its best way, not abuse it, and not uh, uh, substitute it for when we need more personal communication. And so I really think that it's um, almost never helpful to attempt conflict resolution via electronic uh, media, all right? You're not going to sort out a problem on an email or a text. Uh, so conflict resolution, don't, don't even try it, because it ends up being causing more conflict and confusion because things aren't understood. That's the time where you say, hey, can I give you a phone call? Or hey, can we, can we meet? Same thing with texting. And, and then also learning which do you prefer, which does the other person prefer, and uh, even in the church, we try to keep track of, oh, this person actually never uses email. If we send this person an email, they'll never get it. Or they don't even have email. Uh, so you have to use Messenger. Or you have to use uh, um, <clears throat> some other form of communication, texting. And, and then understanding that there's certain things that you need to talk to either on the phone or some things in person. Many, many times I'll say, uh, you need to follow up on that, but don't, don't do it over email or, or text. Uh, you, need to, you need to talk to them because there's so much more that we communicate when it's in person. If it's an emotionally charged issue, do it in person if at all possible because those emotions cannot be squeezed effectively into uh, words. And you'll end up spending more time uh, trying to explain it with words that you could solve it in a short phone call. So everybody has their preferences, uh, but there's certain things like conflict resolution and highly, highly charged emotional issues. Uh, you need to not neglect actually talking to one another in some way. I'm going to talk about five levels of communication. These are really uh, standard uh, um, uh, ways of looking at communication. It's helpful for me and for you to understand that these different levels are, are normal and understanding how to uh, work within them. They can occur in the course of one conversation or over the course of months or years. They're, they just are different ways that we communicate. And the first one is just hallway talk, okay? And so <clears throat> I travel all over the world. Almost universally, the word hey <laughs> has become a new greeting. Hey, 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 really? Even if they don't speak uh, English, hey. And so when you see somebody, you're going to go, hey. <laughs> which, of course, means, hi, how are you? You know, just acknowledging them. Uh, also means, like, how, how are you? You know, generally, hey, how you doing? 
You're not intending for them to go, oh, well, actually, I'm really uh, struggling with my work. I'm thinking about quitting my job. And boy, things at home are, are really bad. Uh, finances are just uh, terrible. I got a leak in the You know, you're not expecting a full conversation when you say, hey, how you doing? That's just hallway talk. It's just passing someone, it's acknowledging their presence. And it's okay, that's good. Many people who say, and I used to be one of these people, and, uh, and so I can share it uh, wholeheartedly, I used to say, I don't like small talk. Until I learned that small talk, this kind of talk, is a way to determine if someone is safe. And for others to determine if you're safe. Okay? And so I went into a restaurant uh, to pick up a to-go order, and this is one of the good things that's come out of 2020, is that restaurants know how to do to-go orders really quick. How many like that? The pick up and go, yeah, I love it. <laughs> and so I walk in, and you pick up the to-go orders from the bar, and I was like, uh, to the bartender, uh, gave him my credit card, I was hey, how's it going? And, and like within a, the 20 seconds, He's expressing frustration. <laughs> and I was like, what's going on? He says, oh, man. Uh, it turns out they were being, they had to close on, on, on the day I normally come in. Mondays, they're going to be closed. You can pray for me about that. <clears throat> Kathy and I haven't figured out what, what we're going to eat on Monday night because we always would order from this restaurant on Monday. <laughs> but he instantly goes in a... <clears throat> We lost three people, three people quit. And boy, if the management would just realize they, they gotta treat your people good, or, or else, you know what, they're just gonna leave. And he just went on and on and on. Like, <laughs> and so I went, whoa. All right, I was like, I just wanted to pick up my food. <laughs> and so I tried to uh, navigate that, but, uh, you know, that, those initial, hey, how you doing? Doing great. How are you doing? Uh, uh, that's part of the testing out if you're open for more. And, and it's an important part. If that's all you do, then you don't have a deep relationship. But if you can't navigate that, you're never going to be able to get deeper relationships. Does that make sense? Okay, and the next uh, uh, step is, is still falls into that category. It's just talking about information. We call it reporter talk. And so, you know, boy, it's hot out. Man, it's hot. It's, it was hotter here than it was in Tennessee <laughs> in the last few days. So I'm like, wow, what's going on? And uh, <clears throat> is this information that's uh, communicated neutrally? Um, uh, you're talking about facts and things that exist, whether you believe them or not, you're not getting to that level. You just, boy, did you hear about that? Yeah, Nichols Road is closed. Oh, my goodness, yeah, we're going to find another way to get here. You're just keeping it at the information level, and that's one step in, of a progression, but you're still uh, informal. It's still not really risking anything. The next level is an intellectual talk. <clears throat> and so here you're talking about ideas and theories, and then you include opinions. And so if you say, <clears throat> if you say, boy, did you hear that, uh, uh, you know, uh, Nickel Street is closed, 
I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll have to find a different route. But then if you go, man, I think they spend too much money on uh, fixing our roads. <laughs> Said no one in Michigan ever. <laughs> but you're sharing an opinion, you know? And other person says, well, I actually think they've needed to fix that road for years. And then she's talking about ideas and opinions. But again, it, uh, you're, th that risks a little bit because someone will, may disagree with you, but it's still just an idea or an opinion. It's still, you're talking about theories. The next level, this is, this is a big one. There's a huge shift when you introduce the word feel. Because all of a sudden, you open up a, a different uh, level in your communication. Well, I feel really disappointed, or I feel as though you haven't uh, taken into consideration my needs when you went out and bought that brand new truck, <laughs> or whatever it may be. Uh, and so when you talk about feelings, uh, or weaknesses, or fears, you introduce this whole other category of your life, and you become more vulnerable. And so this is a skill all of us need to learn in order to have healthy relationships. When is the appropriate time to use, to, to introduce feelings into a conversation? And, and um, a big key is actually saying the word feel. So let's all together say, I feel. I feel happy, sad, bored, hungry, whatever it may be. And, and, and seriously, this is like um, a communication skill. Once you start talking about your feelings, if the other person responds in a, in a good way and they start sharing their feelings, you've just gone to a different level of relationship. And in, in, in marriages, you need to regularly take time. Well, how do you feel about that? Or, or be able to say, I feel, without being stomped on in return. All right? That the area of feeling and emotion becomes something you're comfortable talking about. Uh, and that means you're developing intimacy and you're able to communicate on a deeper level. And then the top uh, level is called peak communication. And that's where there's a state where two people can uh, flow in communication without judgmental, uh, without being judgmental toward one another. Even when they disagree about things, there's an acceptance. They respect each other's opinion. There's, a, 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 there's opportunity and even acceptance of con confrontation. And so someone can challenge you, but you don't take that as a threat. You actually take it as um, a part of a healthy, de healthy debate and you're learning from one another, and there's just a, a, a deep trust and honesty in communication. And so peak communication, I mean, we don't stay there. All of our communication isn't at that level because it's high energy. It takes a lot of time and attention. And so, and uh, you know, if you're just greeting uh, someone uh, momentarily or you're both getting ready for work or, and, and you just at home and, you know, that's not peak level communication, but you need to, to make that your aim 
is to have relationships where you can have this level of communication and then understand that in any area, uh, you can move up the scale. And so because I go to that restaurant frequently, I didn't shut down that <clears throat> bartender when he kind of overreacted. I listened to him, but I didn't try to correct him uh, uh, because I'm hoping that to develop a relationship over time that we can actually have more of a conversation or who knows, maybe he'll come to church one day or I'll see him in some other setting and we can sit down and have uh, a little more talk than the well, two or three minutes that I interact with him when I'm picking up a meal. So these levels of communication help us navigate and in, even in our online communication, you can say, is, is this just a, a greeting? Is this, we're talking about ideas, boy, we're going to feelings. Uh, in each way, we need to respond differently. And so now we're gonna to turn to the Bible and look at some universal principles of communicating Christ-like. The Bible actually talks about how we communicate a lot. <clears throat> I'm just gonna uh, focus in on a couple of verses. In Ephesians, Paul writes that we speak the truth in love. Truth in love. Truth is not more important than love. All right, we need to speak the truth in love, and I realized uh, a number of years ago, it's like having truth wrapped in love, all right? That love surrounds, and inside the love is the truth. Truth in love, in order for it to be true, in order for it to be effective, in order for it to be Christ-like truth, it needs to be wrapped in love. That's how God communicates a truth to us. It's always immersed in love. Jesus is the word. He's the embodiment of communication from God. And he's also the truth, right? But he's the fullest expression of God's love. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might uh, through him be saved. So our communication should never be condemning. If Jesus came as the embodiment of truth, as God the word, and he came not to condemn, then we need to be very careful that the way we communicate doesn't communicate condemnation. Right? but instead communicates love. Even when we're confronting error, even when we're standing up for uh, uh, important standards in society or in your personal belief, you need to do it in a way that's Christ-like. Do it in a way that's wrapped in the love of God. Otherwise, it's not Christ-like. It's not representing Jesus, and it's not going to have the uh, authority and the effectiveness as if it were wrapped in love. Another place in the book of Ephesians, it says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. You know, there's not many things we have almost near total control of. <clears throat> you don't have total control of what you see. All right, driving down the road, there's billboards you see, but you got to keep your eyes open because you're driving. All right, we're constantly barraged with uh, images, I forget the statistic, <clears throat> someone once counted how many uh, advertisements you're exposed to every day, and it was this incredible number, uh, hundreds, thousands, you know, because they're coming from all directions. And they just go in, and, and whether you pay attention to it or not, it makes an impact, right? Because your brain is processing all of that. 
you don't have complete control over what you hear. People can say stuff, and you're like, I wish I didn't hear that. I can't unhear that. <laughs> All right? You know what? You can close your mouth. You can close your eyes temporarily, right? Actually, you can close your mouth because you can breathe through your nose. You have virtually 100% control over what you say. Now, we will exempt you if you're being tortured like those guys on the TV shows where they have the electrodes on them. Have you ever seen that? What are you watching TV like that? (laughs) Car batteries. Under those circumstances, you can say whatever they want you to say to get out of the situation. <laughs> I won't condemn you. <laughs> Just tell them! <laughs> but you know what? We don't face that. Nobody's torturing us with electrodes. We allow things to come out of our mouths. That shouldn't come out of our mouths. The Bible says, don't let any corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So this verse gives us incredible uh, uh, lessons on, on how to communicate, how to wrap truth in love, how to, how to be Christ-like. I like the way the message uh, translates this. It says, watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps each word a gift. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. The Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most important part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. So in other words, the words that you say affects your relationship with the Holy Spirit. I think it's, I think it's, it's hard to believe that how we behave affects the way God feels feels. Don't grieve. That can be translated, don't break his heart. And so when you use corrupt communication, when you use hurtful communication, when you speak spitefully or disrespectfully, you're not only hurting the person you may be speaking to, you're hurting the Holy Spirit. So even if that person isn't around and you're you're saying things that are corrupt or or, or, uh, uh, hurtful, that individual may not hear it, but the Holy Spirit hears it. And that we have the power to affect God's feeling. That just blows me away. And the Bible says, you need to respect that. You need to treasure that. You You need to make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. And instead, be gentle with one another, sensitive in how you communicate, forgiving one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Wow. You see that if we have this operating in us, the level of our relationships are going to skyrocket. 
If this is the norm in a community, in a, in a congregation or a, a group, then, then the ability to go deep in relationship is, is unhindered by all of these hurts. If we forgive one another as quickly and as thoroughly as God in Christ forgave us, wow. And it's linked to how we talk. It's linked to the words we say. We can't use corrupt communication, uh, cutting or biting words. Uh, I remember reading a Greek commentary. It's it's words that slice. And we all know, if you know someone, you know words that, that can just poke. And the Bible says that's, that's bad stuff. Demeaning words, foul or dirty or obscene. And this is where, you know, it's commonplace in our culture to hear um, obscene words, words that are uh, uh, not intended to be used uh, public. You know, if you wouldn't say it in front of a, a six or eight or 10 year old uh, kid, you shouldn't say it at all. But boy, on television and on the internet, if you're watching shows, it's every other word, it seems like. But we need to operate on a different level. So nothing foul or dirty, unsavory, uh, no bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, or evil speaking. Instead, we're to replace that with, with what's good and beneficial. Uh, I, I like the term in the New King James, it says necessary for edification. And edification, of course, means building up, improving. But I think what's key there is necessary. All right? Is it really necessary? Often holding your tongue may be better than giving your opinion. And I, I have opinions. I was once on a, on a mission trip, and there was a young man who'd never spent a lot of time, known, known me many years, but never spent uh, much time with me. And on a mission trip, you're together 24-7, right? <clears throat> and so you're driving places, and you're in houses. And, and like halfway through this mission trip, this young man came up to me and said, he says, man, do you have an opinion about everything? <laughs> I, I was taken back. I was like, yeah, uh, of course I do. <laughs> like, don't you? What's, what's wrong with you? <laughs> In fact, I have an opinion about what you just said. <laughs> and it, it, but it stuck with me to this day. It's like, and it really stuck with me because it was just a few months later that I visited my brother <clears throat> who lives in, in another state. And we were uh, together for an extended period of time. And, and he took me on a tour of this uh, area where he lives. So we were in the same vehicle. And my word, everything he saw, he had an opinion about it. <laughs> and I thought, this is how that young man felt. It's like, it's obnoxious. <laughs> I don't really care what you think about all these things. Right? And so from that time, I've tried <laughs> to reduce it. So if I still come across too opinionated, I'm working on it. Pray for me. Uh, the clear goal is that every word should, all of our communication should impart grace, or that way it's translated in the message, each word a gift. Wow. Is that word going to be a gift, or is it going to cause a wound? And, and if, we, if we aim for gift-giving in our speech, in our communication, I think we'll 
will, will hit the mark of being Christ-like in our communication. If the result is not grace, packaged and received like a gift, we haven't done it in a Christ-like way. Sometimes that means saying, I feel angry. You know, anger is a very real emotion. We need to learn how to process it. And the best way to process anger is to process it verbally in an appropriate way. Yelling, screaming, shouting is verbal. It's better than hitting. But saying in a, an emotionally controlled way, I'm very upset right now. What just happened really hurt me. That's the best way. You need to learn how to do that. You need to get anger out on the table. Learning how to do that in a helpful way, uh, in, a, in a truthful way, uh, is, is good. <clears throat> or, um, uh, uh, you know, you're lost, you're feeling sad, expressing those emotions, but doing it in a way that's still loving and caring and not violating others, but, but uh, becoming vulnerable to others is incredibly powerful. Opening yourself up and sharing how you feel, powerful way to show love, but exploding in rage or mumbling complaints or holding grudges will never impart grace, right? Um, and it all gets down to the principle of esteeming others better than yourself. Communicating in a way, <clears throat> whether it be verbal, nonverbal, uh, our social media posts, our texts, our emails, whatever form of communication you're doing, that you, you, your goal is to get to that ability to communicate truth in a loving way, to, uh, to build up when it's necessary, to give grace to those who see it, who hear you, or who read what you post online. That's the goal. And um, uh, uh, as Christians, we need to prioritize that, learn how to do it, prayerfully submit our communication to the Holy Spirit.